It's time for Dodger Hi everyone, welcome to the Dodging Sleep podcast, um, wherever and whenever you're listening to us, I hope you're having a very pleasant day. Uh, we are recording this on the 26th of April and as regular listens, listeners will know, we normally start with a uh, an on this day in Dodgers history. So on this day, 26th of April, back in 2008, I'll read out a quote and you can all guess who said it. So We can't tell you to survive the storms of life. We can tell you to dance in the rain and you can do it. You really can do it. Very difficult, but possible. And I didn't even try to do it as well as the great Vin Scully did it when he was delivering his commencement address at Pepperdine University back in 2008. Um, My name's Ian Carlson. Joining me tonight, we've got young Ian. Uh, Ian Blees, how are you doing, Ian? Really good. Thanks, mate. Really good. Great to be back on. Excellent. And we got got Adam there in another LA top. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. And as usual, running all of the production stuff for us, we've got Leon. How are you doing? Yeah, fantastic, mate. Very good, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Sorry to have missed last week, but it sounded pretty good and and started with another Vin Vin Scully uh, story. So we're on on a hit streak of two Vin Scullys now. We'll see how long we can keep that going. Um, anyway, this week we are going to do our usual review of the week just gone. Uh, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the uh, broadcast team for the Dodgers. We're going to stray into the area of robot umpires off the back of some pretty high profile stuff over the last few days. Uh, talk about the strength of the division that the Dodgers are in, and then we'll do the usual preview of the week ahead. So review of the week, uh, we completed a, a, a good series against the Braves winning that 2-1. Um, we did well down in uh, in LA South with the uh, with the two one series win there. Um, I think they might have had a couple of people in the crowd, but they still seem to be shouted out as usual. And we're currently one up against the, the Diamondbacks. Um, Ian, do you want to start? What, what's your thoughts on the on, on the week just gone? Uh, yeah, I mean, a fantastic week as you've just mentioned: four wins, two losses against solid opposition, uh, the opposition that everyone's expecting to be in the mix come the end of the year. Um, for me personally, everyone knows I'm a massive Cody Bellinger fan. Remember from one of the earlier podcasts where Leon and I had that debate about whether we'd rather keep Cody Bellinger or Corey Seager. Um, and fantastic to see old school belly back. Um, it's a small sample size, but National League Player of the Week, three home runs. I think he hit 304 uh, on the week and just seems to really be coming back to what he, what we know he can do getting his confidence back. And you can even see the sort of swagger in the way he's moving around. So plenty of other amazing things happened this week, but I thought I'd get in there first with the Bellinger one and leave perhaps the low-hanging fruit to some other people. <laughs> the smile was certainly back. You can, you can tell, can't you, when he's got that smile in the, in the dugout, you think, yeah, there's, there's, there's something happening. So, yeah, really, really good. Adam, what are, what are your thoughts on the week just gone? Yeah, it's been pretty good, hasn't it? Uh, oh, uh, Mookie has been. I've been reading up on Mookie today, and uh, I saw that he's leading the league in runs this year so far. For someone who's not 
he's not you would say he's not batting amazing uh, but he's he's got his average over 200 uh, this week and he's looking pretty good a couple of uh, home runs the other day as well against San Diego which was uh, nice to see funny isn't it both of them depending on which which posts you read on Twitter both of those guys had been written off and um, and were past it and um, you just got to you just got to have a bit of patience and let people work it out. Great players will always get there in the end. The anti-veganism that I've seen uh, uh, relating to Mookie Betts has just been ridiculous. <laughs> like, you know, uh, it's like people are just like, oh, of course he's not as good as he used to be. He's vegan. And you're just like, wow. Like people just need to educate themselves a little bit more. And obviously Mookie was always going to come back. We all knew that. And great to see him start to show some glimmers of what we know he's capable of. Did a certain Mr. Seager cut dairy out of his diet pre his the the World Series as well? You know, obviously it didn't affect his power at all. Didn't half a team half a team out. Yeah. And then I, I think, think JT took a special diet last year as well, didn't he? It's really big among athletes in, in every mm. sport, the whole sort of the whole sort of no dairy thing now. Um I'm not sure. I think uh, I think a lot of them are doing no dairy, but still eating meat. And obviously, you know, Mookie's going, you know, gone, gone the other way. But ultimately, the guy can afford to pay someone to to tell him what fuel he needs to put in his body, and so he's not going to be missing out on any sort of essential ingredients. You know, I, 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 I was, I was going to say if it's a choice between somebody who's just googled what's a good diet and then thought I know I'll get on Twitter versus you know multimillionaires with billion dollar franchise organisations employing really, really high calibre doctors and nutritionists and stuff going, yeah, you can eat that or don't eat that. I, I'm inclined to believe the science, I must admit. Completely agree. I tried to do what, what they call Veganuary a few years ago, where you, uh, where, you, where you go vegan for the month of January. And um, start of the week, start of the month, sorry, I was all over it. Recipes, had everything like sorted. And I was like, yeah, here we go. By the end of it, I was just busy. Uh, so I was eating chips um, and chips and mainly, mainly chips. Uh, <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, that's not good for your mental focus. It's not good for uh, it's not good for your waistline. And it's certainly not a, a positive lifestyle to take. But someone like Mookie, he's not going to be making those kind of rookie errors like I did. So no, no, fantastic. Well, well, when you sign your first sort of nine figure contract, then um, then, then, you know, we'll expect a bit different. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Maybe next week we should all join the podcast with a smoothie or something like that, or a bag of kale. Um, anyway, um, Leon, what are your what are your thoughts on the week? Yeah, really good. Um, obviously, coming off the back of a perfect week, it obviously wasn't as good as it it, it couldn't have got any better. Um, obviously, the Braves are always going to be a tough proposition. Uh, the only sort of disappointment was that we failed to get past the Padres on on the what night was that? That was Saturday, wasn't it? Um, where we had some opportunities of early and we didn't really take take advantage of them. Um, but other than that, all, all really well, uh, really good, sorry. Um, Sunday was really pleasing. They produced runs early doors. Cody's looking good. Uh, you know, another good outing from Kirsch as well and, and the bullpen looks strong as well. So yeah, all in all, a really, really good week. It was it was stunning, wasn't it? And I thought it was particularly generous of us with the Padres because we know how they like to have a bus parade every time they beat us. And given the rising cost of fuel at the moment, letting them only win one was was I thought quite quite considerate of us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's whether we whether we are dodging sleepers, the name of the podcast suggests, and going through the night watching them, or just getting up early in the morning to watch it. 
it does make a difference for the day ahead when you when you you know you're getting up early and, and you look at the results and there's a Dodgers win followed by another Dodgers win followed by another Dodgers win and then obviously last night the first complete game of the um of the series of the season by anyone and I and I think it was um his first complete game that was a was a shutout as well I think in his career so um that's uh I mean he's just he's just a star isn't he um he's just an absolute absolute star is beautiful I mean I to this day I'm grateful that of, of the sort of few games of, of the Dodgers that I've seen I've seen him pitch in one of them which was which was admittedly right near the start of his career but um hopefully when he's when he's heading for the Hall of Fame in however many years time I'll be able to say yeah I saw that guy but um but no I thought it was great Ian you got your hand up yeah, just to, just to jump in on the back of Walker Buehler, can't let it pass by completely. Uh, if you watch those strikeouts back from last night, he picked up 10Ks on his way uh, on his way uh, through the 27 outs that he picked up. Um, Walker Buehler, what's his signature pitch? Is it is it is his fastball, right? Everyone knows it's his fastball. Uh, last night, his strikeouts, change-ups, sliders, curveballs, I think only one was on a fastball. Uh, fastball chased away. And it just shows you when he's got good stuff going, when he's, he's, got, he's got four quality pitches that he can execute and locate brilliantly and he was just superb last night yeah and i and it's especially given some of the comments we've we've, you know we've quoted rather made ourselves but quoted about people like bellinger and and mookie and and others in not just in the dodgers but across sports you know when people start they have a a bad patch i'm going to jinx it now i'm not going to carry on like but he's he just keeps going from strength to strength you know that first year when you look and think as a star in the making here and he just keeps getting better and better and stronger and stronger. It's, um, it's just fun watching him. It's a bit like watching, watching Kershaw when he's on form, you can just sit there and then just enjoy it. You know, it sort of almost takes the, often when you're watching your own team at sport, it gets quite stressful because you're thinking, God, I hope they don't screw it up now. And actually watching those two on, on the at peak form, it's just, it's almost relaxing. It's just fun. Anyway, a great week. Uh, it is quite nice talking like this, isn't it? Rather than, oh, yeah, we've had another loss. Anyway, um, next up, broadcast team. Again, there's been quite a bit of, of stuff on Dodgers Twitter and comments about how the team are getting on. And, and indeed, we've started tonight's podcast with, with a quote from, from Mr. Scully. But current broadcast team, um, Adam, what's your, what's your thoughts? There's, as I said, there's been a lot on Twitter and, and, and people making comments. What do, you, what do you think of them at the moment? Um, I quite like it. I mean, I wish it was Joe and Oral for every game, but obviously, I mean, Oral's not doing every game, so it's disappointing. But um, I, I like the people that they've brought in to help take some of the strain off him. Uh, Eric Karras, I mean, I've got a soft spot for any first baseman. So uh, I, I enjoyed, I've enjoyed him so far. And amazingly, Jessica Mendoza, who I, I, I someone who I didn't ever like listen to at ESPN, I've really enjoyed her over the weekend. She's done some great insights into the game. And she just seems built for the for the booth with Joe Davis. Um, I mean, I think we're very lucky to have Joe Davis. Um, I mean, he's he's one of the best commentators in any sport that I've got. I mean, I've watched a lot of sport, different sports, and Joe Davis is up there as, as one of the best commentators I, th- I think I've ever heard. He's He's great, and I think he just makes... Whoever's in the booth with him, better possibly. But I mean, I mean, yeah, I've really, I've really enjoyed the additions to the to the crew this year. Leon, what are you making of it? Yeah, same. Um, obviously, same with Adam. You know, we've grown up the last few years with with Joe and Oral, um, and it's been a pleasure. Um, 
So to mix it up, I was, I was a little sort of apprehensive at first as how it would go. Um, but I think they've, they've fitted him really well. Um, I think just touching on to what Adam says about Jessica Mendoza when she was at ESPN, I think she's probably overshadowed a bit by the personalities that she was with, which was obviously Matt Vaskirgen and, and A-Rod, um, who were big voices. Uh, and she was probably lost in the mix a little bit there. Um, whereas Joe, Joe, we obviously know Joe's a storyteller. He's a very relaxed gentleman. Um, and they, they, they worked really well for me. Um, it's nice to have a good mix as well. It obviously expands, you know, what we're, the stories that we can hear. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's been a, a positive change. Um, obviously not one that we would have sort of wanted initially, I guess, um, just because of how good we've had it with our commentary teams, you know, since forever really. Um, but it's, it's, it's a good thing to me. There's a deep bench to pull from. How about you, Ian? Uh, yeah, I mean, same as other guys. I love listening to Joe and Oral. They're actually one of the uh, their their podcast, the Joe and O podcast, um, uh, was one of the reasons I wanted to get involved with this when the opportunity came around. To be honest with you, it was had uh, a lockdown, and they were providing an insight into what was going on at Dodger Stadium when there was no baseball being played, when it was looking like there might not be a season. They were, obviously had fantastic access to the likes of. Uh, Dave Roberts and, uh, and and a different player every week, which, you know, we're working towards, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, but it was definitely uh, something that I just thought was great. And, I, and I, one thing I, I really like with Joe Davis, again, is he's a professional broadcaster. And uh, rather than a, a player-turned-broadcaster, he's, you know, he's, he's learned his craft. Uh, and that means he's able to potentially bring out the best in people. Uh, and I think... In this day and age, you tend to get a lot of sportsmen uh, who are converted into it, given media training, rather than people who've trained to, to, be, to do this or wanted to do it their whole life. And that can really affect the quality of, of the delivery at times. I remember Johnny Gould used to talk about it a lot um, because you know Johnny Gould used to present Channel 5 for anyone who's Channel 5 baseball back in the day. Um, and he he's always said how much he really, he, he really thinks that broadcasting as a profession is underrated and it's always given to to ex-professionals in sport now so i think uh seeing what joe can do and bring people through uh and potentially help the likes of jessica mendoza and hopefully add to her career then i, I think it's all it's all brilliant stuff yeah i think i think adam summed it up really nice really nicely in what he said a few moments ago in terms of you know virtually they're one of the one of the best in sports not just one of the best in baseball you know and and i and i think it comes through it's that it's that professionalism i think there's there's always a, a space for a, a former professional athlete because they've got that kind of inside knowledge but you know as we know from from trying to get through these podcasts every week you know to to, to do this and do it well you've really got to be a pro and particularly the ability to um think on the fly and you know you've no you've got no script you don't know what's coming next you know it's not like it was where we can sit sit in advance and go oh what should we talk about and who's going to do this and who, you know you've no idea what's going to happen in a game and the ability to just move with it is it's it's an absolute art form um and not just waffle on and on or have long periods of silence and um yeah Leon. it's just worth sort of giving a little nod to kirsten watson as well obviously we replaced alana rizzo uh, last year um, at, at quite a difficult time obviously there was no sort of proper player access the, the commentators were calling from Dodger Stadium for all games as well uh, I think she's really grown into the role this year as well uh, and has really stepped up uh, and looks really comfortable as part of the team as well so I think 
I think just as a whole, we've got a very, very good broadcasting team. I've, you know, I've, I've caught some other games this season. Um, the Angels in particular, I think I brought up the other day, um, who have a, an awful setup for their road games, um, where the, the commentator's based in New Jersey and he's commentating. He seems to be like three seconds behind the actual action on the field. Um, so, you know, obviously the whole setup that we've got with the Dodgers is, is fantastic and they are a, a very, very good team, sort of, you know, from, from top to bottom. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of teams. I, I cannot stand some of the commentary as some teams. Uh, whoever commentates for San Diego, one of the few times I watch them, I cannot stand him. You I don't like the crane zone? Oh, no, God, he, he gets on my nerves, that fella. <laughs> I, I think the other thing, you know, let's be grateful, we've still not had had a moment where, you know, you, somebody's busy caught and as there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos and that'll be a home run. And so that'll make it a four nil ball game. Um, you know, we, we've, we've not had one of those yet. So um, we ought to be, ought to be grateful for that. As funny as it was and as quotable as it's proven to be, but um, no, I think, I think we're just on a, we're just on a complete roll at the moment, aren't we? With, um, with the, both the team and the, and, and all the support around it. It's, it's, it's brilliant stuff. Long may that continue. Um, but, Clearly, if any, they, if ever they do decide to falter or look for new careers, there's five of us here, and um, plus Scott. I'm sure we'd be only too happy to get on planes to LA and and, and sit in the booth for you know a few hours a day and, and talk about baseball. Um, one thing we might be talking about, if we're talking about baseball, and there's been a bit in the news this week, umpiring, um, in particular the, um, the the wonderful Mr. Carl Schwalber and his his um, his. Well, it's not in too subtle way of suggesting that um, that Angel Hernandez might have got a couple of calls wrong. Um, been a lot on Twitter about that. It's it's leading into the um, the sort of debate about robot umpires. And I was looking at the uh, the umpire scorecards Twitter feed, and they had the the score for um for that particular game. And, and Hernandez's called strike accuracy was I think seventy seven percent versus an average of eighty eight. Um, Overall consistency of 88% against an average of 94. Overall accuracy, 88% against an average of 94. Um, I mean, that's just one game and one umpire, but but that name, that umpire in particular, has got something of a reputation for not being great, although I'm aware that there are plenty who've been even worse than him this year. Um, and, and one does wonder in a, in a, in a multi-billion dollar sport, when, when plenty of other sports are starting to use technology now, um, why they don't look at something a little bit more um, fail-safe, and in particular, to my mind, they seem to be trying to fix the wrong problems at the moment. In that, you know, rather than having a runner on second, let's sort out the bloody umpiring. But um, Leon, what, what what do you think? It's, I mean, there's been sort of many games this season uh, where we're unhappy with the quality of the umpires. Um, I think it was Friday nights against the Padres, where again for both teams, the, the umpire didn't look great. Um, obviously, we we have the benefit of the umpire scorecards now, which we get through after every game, uh, which obviously you can see on Twitter. There's you know there's numerous social media accounts that will pick up on any sort of interactions, like the Carl Swarber um, interaction on um, on Monday night, and it goes viral. Um, anything with Angel Hernandez is going to go viral. Um, I think we, baseball just has to be careful of not of obviously just appreciating that it's a bigger problem than Angel Hernandez. Um, he's the face of the issue. He's the most well-known of the uh, the umpires that's left after Joe West has gone. 
Um, but there are umpires who are equally as bad. Um, there was the, the guy behind home plate, his name escapes now, who did the, uh, the, the, the Twins uh, game, um, which I pointed out sort of to you guys, where there was a strike call on, on Will Smith, which was just infuriating. Um, it was absolutely, absolutely appalling. He did it again, sort of further down the line. Um, in terms of sort of robot umps, I'm, it, 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 it's apparent they need a little bit of help to me at this point. It's what I worry about is the implementation of it. Um, obviously, the closest that we've got over here is with VAR, uh, with football. Um, and it's been implemented in different ways than to, it has been done in, a, in Italy, in Germany. And we've got it wrong in the premiership for, for the most part. Um, it's not an issue I think they can solve straight away. Um, obviously, everyone's going to have a sort of slightly different strike zone and that sort of thing. So there's, there's, there's numerous factors which they really need to work on. Uh, and... It's whether they, how much power they can take off an umpire. Um, there doesn't seem to be much recourse for, for an umpire who has had a terrible game, like Hernandez on, on Monday. Um, they roll on to the next set of fixtures and, and continue without any sort of reprimand or, or, or you know, punishment from, from MLB. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's a good good point to compare it to other sports. I mean, we've got we've got obviously Hawkeye is used in cricket over here, and and. You know, as part of that, using the technology, you put it alongside the the ability of players to challenge. You know, Adam, do you think there would ever be a space for a bit of a combination of you know using the technology, but also giving teams the ability to to challenge a, a call on a pitch, accepting that there's you know a couple of hundred pitches a game, so you need a fair few challenges to be able to work all work your way through that. Well, I mean, cricket is a, is a is a good example. I think it could be implemented. I mean, cricket sometimes gets it right, sometimes gets it wrong. It's not a perfect system. But I, I think anything to help umpires should be, I think it should be debated more than I think it is. I mean, players are pitching faster, harder. The break is bigger than it's ever been. I, I think it must be absolutely horrible to, uh, to, to, to umpire a game. I mean, I I didn't want to do it for the two baseball games that I played last year. So God knows how hard it is to, to do it against major league pitching. It's I, I think if it's, there's help there, it should be given to the umpires. I think uh, like a, an on-field call for the players could be a good idea. I mean, someone cleverer than me will have to think of a way of doing it. But I mean, I mean, it sort of works in cricket. Whether you get to a game or something like that, I, I don't know. There's, there's probably a way of doing it because I, I think managers get um, they, they get calls that they can challenge that could possibly be implemented into it somewhere down the line. Um, I mean, I mean they are trying to do these things. Uh, I, I mean, I think there's robot umps somewhere in the minors, but I, I don't know where it is. I don't know how well that trial's going, um, but I, I mean it's. It's good that it's slowly coming in. I think it possibly should be a bit quicker than they're doing it. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think I think you're right. I think you're right to look at it from a positive perspective, which is rather than sort of damning the umpires, let's find a way to help them do a better job because then everybody benefits. Um, Ian, what, what what's your thinking on it? Yeah, I mean, the comparisons to the existing technology in other sports, uh, it's it's an interesting one. I think with cricket, you can be out, you know, you can, uh, you can be out in one delivery. Um, so if a batter is awarded out, he can appeal. Um, and, 
and if the ball's missing the wicket or he's got an edge on it, then it makes a, it, it makes an enormous difference, and it's worth the three or four minute delay uh, that it takes to to do that. Certainly in in test matches and that kind of thing, I think quite often you might what you might see is an O2 counter hit a rung up, uh, and and he appeals uh, he appeals, um, and okay, yeah, that is ball that is ball one, our mistake, and then they throw the next pitch and he's out anyway. Uh, so I I I, I kind of think that 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 particular solution wouldn't be a good one um goal line technology is probably the the closest thing uh to it uh and again i think uh we've all seen that picture of uh jose altuve and aaron judge those guys have different size strike zones um and uh there's it's something that you've got to that you've got to factor in as to how do you how do you generate the technology that's going to work from um, it's this that's going to work. Mm. Um, and, and, and I think certainly the way I've seen the, the strike zone presented in MLB, it's, it's slightly different to the way that it's taught at a, at a youth or amateur level. It's uh, it, it's, it's smaller, it's lower. Um, and I think it's an, it's an interesting problem to have. I do kind of think that, Strikes and balls being missed is part of the game, but I used to say that about outs on the bases, um, and um, the way that's been implemented most of the time, I quite like the way that they've solved that problem. Uh, I think they get that right more often than not. But I think balls and strikes, it's not a judgment. It, sorry, obviously it is a judgment call, um, but it's it it sits with the umpire, and you can't undermine the umpire. Um, when it comes to, you know, the strike zone is theirs. The strike zone is theirs. And what they say is a strike zone is a strike. Just because there's technology that says that actually on review and we can all see it and it looks dead easy to us. Um, but it's it, it's just not as straightforward as that. And the other thing I would say is that, yeah, umpiring is really hard. You've got so many pitchers throwing 100 miles an hour. The ball is moving all over the place. Uh, I've umpired plenty of games in, in my life in this country and I'm sure I've got plenty of balls and strikes uh, called wrong in that time. However, I've not had the years of extensive training of exp- and experience mm. that uh, MLB umpires have. So they probably should be a little bit better. Uh, personally, for me, I would say it's dead simple to do and I would just financially incentivize it. We've got this umpire scorecard that comes out every week. Let's say they keep 100% of their fee um, and maybe they get paid a little bit more. Um, if they if they miss less than X percentage of uh, of pitch calls, um, or give them a little bonus on top, it's not like the league can't afford it. Um, and I think you'll suddenly see people a lot more focused on getting those balls and strikes called correctly uh, with a little bit of uh, incentive. That that's 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 a suggestion from me anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think I think we've we we we. We're all in, excuse me, in the same sort of place, which is something needs to happen, but it's it's a it's a difficult one to to, to solve. Um, I think to recap, though, what we've also established in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes is that we would all be up for sitting in the broadcast booth and helping out there, but none of us particularly wants to have a go at being an umpire in a major league game. So if anybody is listening, they know which jobs to send to us and which ones not to. I mean, I'd happily sit on first base, uh, <laughs> umpire in there. That's, that's quite easy. <laughs> <laughs> do that 
Hey, what, what would be fantastic for this show is to get Adam Legg to go on an umpiring clinic. Um, I, I, I know one of the top umpires in the country really, really well, um, John Baxendale. I will happily get Adam Legg on an umpiring course that he can come back and tell us just how easy it was because it's it's not easy. <laughs> I mean, I've already claimed it's hard. I would be bad at it. <laughs> oh, dear. dear. Um, umpiring. I, I suspect this might be a topic we return to on and off throughout the season. Um, and those of you listening listening at home, love to hear your thoughts on it via the usual, usual channels or indeed any other questions you might have. Um, Right, divisions. We said we'd talk on that. Um, just some stats to kick it off. Um, the NL East, as things stand at the moment, collectively, have played 85 games and between them have managed 40 wins. The NL West have played two games less than them and have managed 50 wins. So as things stand in our division, the, the win percentage for the whole group is 60%, and that includes the D-backs, who are currently third worst in the lead. If, league. If you exclude them, the top four between us, we've got a win win percentage of 67%. Um, I can't work out whether this is a good thing, because it means we will be absolutely battle-hardened and ready by the time we get to October, or whether it's going to be a bit grim in that we're all going to knock wins off each other, and when it gets to the end, we'll all be somewhat exhausted as we as we were after the um after the giant series in the postseason last year and perhaps more importantly we're all going to be taking games off one another which means when the seeding's sorted for the end of the year we're going to be perhaps a bit lower than somebody who's playing in a weaker division um having said all of that we're currently top so i'm quite happy um ian what's what's your thought on the um on on the division or is it just still a little bit too early to be making calls about it uh, it's insanely early, um, but that's not going to stop us making calls and predictions based on it. That's what, what's the fun in that? Go uh, for it. it. Go it's, for it's, it. It's insanely early. Uh, so uh, I looked into the, I looked into the record so far. So obviously Dodgers sitting at the top, twelve and four. Yeah, look great. Eight wins, two losses in the last ten games. The Giants sitting in second, twelve and five, seven and three in the last ten games, uh, but they are on a four-game win streak. The Rockies, no one saw this one coming. Eleven and six, uh, six and four in the last ten games. Padre is six and four in the last 10 games and they're 10 and seven. And obviously the D-backs who are going to be the whipping boys, they, uh, everyone expected it. They're, they're going to be the, the weaker team in the division by, by some way. Now, what I want to draw people's attention to is, is perhaps a stat that you don't really use uh, it, with any value, um, but it would show you in the small sample size of 16, 17 games so far this season. Um, quite how dominant this division is over the other divisions. So run differential, Los Angeles Dodgers plus 48, Giants plus 39. Okay. The next highest team in MLB is the Mets and they're plus 35. After that, nobody is above plus 20. The next team is the Mariners, who everyone saw coming, uh, on plus 18. Um, and that, to me, is a very early indication um, of how dominant this division is, is, is likely to be um, should things continue the way that they are for the rest of the season. Again, very small sample size, uh, and I haven't done the maths, but 16 games in, plus 48. Very crudely, the Dodgers are going to finish with a run differential of plus 480. 
And I, and I think right. 120, 122 wins, I think, isn't it? Or something <laughs> yeah, like that's that what I saw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's obviously that that is that won't happen, right? <laughs> it, it, it won't happen. No one's suggesting that, but it does show uh, at this stage. Uh, and obviously, you know, we have had a series against Colorado. We've had a series. We're in the middle of a series now against Arizona. Um, we've played the Padres. So there's there's a there's a chance here, you know. Uh, sorry, we played the Giants as well. We've played everyone. Um, so um, so it, it gives an indication, I think, of of where of where this division might be, and it mm. could honestly be that absolutely we will push each other all the way. Uh, and the only way it would really affect us negatively come the playoffs is if, for example, the Mets or one of the other teams uh, in the National League are streets ahead of everybody else in their in their division, and they're able to take the foot off the gas to bring up some rookies uh, mm. to 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 rest and recuperate. Um, but the other teams don't have our depth and and all that kind of, and all yeah. that kind of thing anyway. So I'm I'm not overly. That's the only way I think it really harms us. The rest of the time, it's it's good. Yeah. I just think, and, and Dave Roberts has shown in the past that he's got faith in his bench and in his depth. Uh, so I think he wouldn't be tempted to throw Clayton Kershaw if Kershaw is not feeling not feeling a hundred percent in the last week of the season, just because we, yeah. we we might need that win to get a bit closer to the divisional title. Yeah, I think that, I think that's a fair point. And, and you're right about the sample size. It wasn't that long ago that the the White Sox were sitting there on six and two, and they're now sitting there on six and nine. So things can change relatively quickly at this stage. Um, Adam, what, what what's your thoughts on on, on the marvelous NL West or the treacherous or the treacherous NL West? Similar thoughts to Ian. I, I had the run differential down as well in my notes. Um, the only one I would say is I think Colorado will drop off at some point. I, as he said, it's very early. I mean, their run differential is minus five, and and they're sitting what ten and six record. It's at some point that's going to drop. They're going to drop off. I think it's. I, I think it's always been a three-team division, and I think the Padres possibly might be a bit further back than I think we thought. Maybe. But then their key player is out injured at the minute. He might spark him on for a bit of a run when he comes back, maybe. Who knows? After last season, I'm really trying not to use the phrase, they're going to fall back, because we all know what happened last year with a different team. Um, but you're right. Um, yeah, the 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 D backs are kind of where they are, and 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 one of the other four surely has got to fall back. And if you're going to pick one, you probably would pick the Rockies. But um, Leon, what's what's your thoughts? I'm incredibly excited by this team and, and the division. To be honest, I like a competitive division. There's been times in the, the last few years where we've absolutely coasted, where the division was wrapped up, you know, almost a month in advance of the end of the season. Um, Whereas last year, the Giants kept us on our toes right until the very last day. Um, it probably worked against us a little bit in the end because they they stayed in the fight a lot longer than we thought they would and ultimately took the division. But I think a competitive division can only be a good thing for this team. I think the one thing to point out as well is, is again, I've said it before, we, we complained a lot last year. We won 106 games. Um, and there was biting, just looking at last year's stats as well, on the 11th of May, the, the Dodgers were 19 and 17, so only two runs above 500. And that was after a, a pretty horrendous run. After starting mm. really well, we had a horrendous run for, for a few weeks. Um, 
don't really see that happening in this team. So the, the potential to me is just it's ridiculous for, for the Dodgers. I think the Giants are still, I've watched, I've watched a few of their games this season. They're a very good baseball team. Um, whether they can sustain it sort of going forward, because they have a lot of veterans on the team, um, it's, it's going to be a question, but they're, they're going to be right up there again for me this year. Um, again, I don't think, I don't know if the Rockies can sort of really sustain it as well. They've had a good start um, riding the crest of the wave. The D-backs seem to be in a constant sort of rebuild at the moment. Um, and the Padres are going to be sort of, I think they're going to be sort of around 500 again this year. Um, but again, for me, a strong competitive division is a good thing. Keeps everyone sort of on their toes, uh, battle-hardened and, and, you know, aiming for the best record in, in baseball uh, yeah. and division. You want to start yeah. a wild-card game. Absolutely. You, you know, throws all your pitch, you know, and, you know, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> Ian, what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I... I... Personally, I think the Padres are going to sort it out. I think they're going to come back strong. Um, obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr. isn't playing at the moment because um, he fell off a motorbike. Uh, he is going to come back. Now, it's interesting to see, obviously, the, the NL has now got the DH. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., if you're going to criticise him for anything, it's going to be his defence. And it's going to be very interesting to see. Now, they've got the shortstop playing at the moment, CJ Abrams. Now, he's playing, from what I'm told, he's playing wonderful gold glove level shortstop, uh, but he's hitting 143. So how important is that, is that defensive difference? Is it going to keep this, uh, this, this kid in the lineup in his rookie season? I mean, probably not. He's probably not ready for 162 games anyway. Um, but I do think that they'll probably keep him on the roster, and I think they'll try and keep Tatis fresh by DHing him. Um, we've seen it a little bit with uh, Justin Turner this year. He's been DH'd an awful lot. Um, that's more to do with age, but certainly to try and keep Tatis Jr. fit, I can definitely see the Padres doing that. And I do think it would be a mistake at this point to look at it and go, yeah, uh, they're, 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 they're further behind than we thought. They have got quality pitching. They've got decent hitting throughout. They've strengthened their depth a little bit this year. And I don't think that they will underperform as much as they did last year for a second year in a row. I do think they'll make a run. Uh, it's just a case of how long they leave it. And let's be honest, at this point, they're only two games back. So it's not like we're leaving them behind. Let's, uh, let, let's see what happens. Leon? I think it's. Uh, I think next year's going to be interesting because I think they're, they're making uh, changes, aren't they? So we're going to we'll play our own division less. We're going to be facing... Uh, I think they've said it's going to be a more balanced... Um, hmm set of fixtures which I think is probably going to be a good thing for the NL West as well yeah uh, the, uh, the, the dominance that, that we, we currently have as a division um, so yeah it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out yeah absolutely I mean my big thing and, and like like you guys I, you know, I think having a competitive division you know it's good for any number of reasons I just hope when we get to the end it's 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 not injuries for any team that ultimately helps decide the division it would be great if everybody can be putting out a full sense full strength side more often than not whether it's pitching or, or or batsman whatever but but if we can people can win it on the pitch rather than in the injury room i mean that's what that's in the treatment room that's that'd be great really um but um but yeah it's some um, exciting times 
which brings us to the week ahead and our preview. So we've got another couple of games against the D-backs. We've got um, Gonsolin on the mound, I was going to say tonight, but it's early hours of tomorrow morning. Then we've got Arias on Wednesday, which is at a, a UK-friendly time of, of 8.40pm. Uh, we've got Thursday off, and then we've got three games against the Tigers, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday is the only one of those three that's a sensible UK time at 9.10, but Saturday may well be the popular choice for tuning in if, as is widely expected, a certain Mr Kershaw is going to be on the mound looking for a few more strikes. Um, so we've got in that lot, what, five games. Um, I'm, I'm good. You know what? I'm just going to come right out and I'm going to go for a 5 nil. I'm gonna. We're gonna sweep all five. Let's just stop messing around and saying, "Well, we'll probably throw one there, and that'll be a bit tough." And let's just go for it. Five nil sweep. Adam, you're 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 grinning back at me on the screen. What do you think? I think exactly the same. Uh, yeah, I I can't see any other result than I think all all, all wins. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a, a clean sleep sweep. Ian, oh, just that shake of the head there. The voice of reason. Yeah, look, you don't play baseball on paper. You don't, you know, on paper, these next five games are gimmies, but you don't play on paper. Uh, and if we're underestimating them, if we're looking at it, um, if we're looking at it uh, in this way, then maybe the clubhouse will too. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go for three two. Uh, I'll go for three two. Um, the Tigers aren't as bad as they usually are. Uh, we're coming up against uh, at least one pitcher, possibly two, um, who have got history with us and like to do well. So um, I'll, I'll go for a 3-2, but I'm more than happy for you guys to be right. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Leon, where, where are you going to pitch it? Uh, right in the middle. Uh, for you guys, I'm going to go 4-1. Um to be honest, I know a great deal about the Detroit Tigers, um, other than obviously the fantastic uh, Miguel Cabrera, who got his 3,000 hit eventually um, this week. Uh, I think we'll, this, this, we've got Zach Davis uh, against us tonight. I think it was, did he lead the no hitter for the Cubs last year? Oh, he might have, I don't know. Yeah. I think he started that game, and I think he's just one of those pitchers, his ERA's above five. It just seems to be one of those pitches that we know we're going to sort of struggle against him. So I think I'm going to go for a sort of defeat tonight um, and then four wins off the back of that. Excellent. Uh, I, someone's always going to go in the middle, haven't they? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just being diplomatic. We're going to win a <laughs> <on> four. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, you, well, well, we're still going to be above 500 for the, for the games ahead. So, you know, it's not a bad place to be. Um, well, that's all the sort of the main items on the on, on the agenda. We've got we've got the, the classic. Any other business? Any other comments? Um, Ian, anything you wanted to uh, to touch on? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it was uh, the man that Leon just mentioned there, and that uh, that was uh, Miguel Cabrera. So it's not Dodgers related, uh, but Miguel Cabrera got his three thousandth hit uh, in in the last week, and he. Uh, is actually, I think he's hitting somewhere in the region of 320 on the season. The, the guy's 39 years old. He's been in the league since, oh, I don't think it was quite the 90s, but the early the early noughties for sure when he was with the um, then Florida Marlins. And, uh, you know, it's fantastic to see him enjoying his baseball. He won't, he won't 
keep up hitting uh, the way that he is throughout the rest of the season, um, for sure. But it's great to see him on a bit of a tear at the moment um, and racking up the hits and getting to, get to 3,000 and further cementing his, uh, his inevitable place in the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Is he, is he dairy-free, do we know? I'm going, to, I'm going to make a judgment call and say no. <laughs> I would guess, though, yeah. yeah. I think he's possibly on the same diet as our pitcher, relief pitcher on Sunday as well. I thought he was going to say on the same diet as me, but there we go. Um, <laughs> Leon, any, any, any final thoughts from you? Um, just a quick shout-out to a couple of friends of mine who uh, I met playing baseball, actually, uh, Nick and Nicole um, from Birmingham Cambridge baseball teams who... Came to take credit for it. I set the games up. Um, who got engaged this weekend or last night? Um, congratulations to them. Excellent news. Yeah, congratulations, guys. That's brilliant. Adam, anything from you? Uh, no, I don't have anything this week. No. Cool. Well, I, I've I've just got one, which is a a shout out to uh, clearly a Do- well. I'm guessing he's a Dodgers fan. I don't know, him, but but goes by the by the the name of Dodger Dude on Twitter. Um, who tweeted out uh, earlier this week that his his wife uh, Melanie is uh, is recovering from breast cancer and just looking for best wishes there. So we just like from from all of us on the podcast. Um, you may you may not neither of you may listen to it, but um, it feels the right thing to do to send you all our best wishes and wishing you Melanie a, a speedy speedy recovery and 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 sending happy thoughts to you dodge dude and, and the rest of the family at this what's what's no doubt quite a challenging time for you for, for you all so uh, yeah best, best wishes from all of us otherwise um thank you again everybody out there listening um as i mentioned briefly earlier on in the in, in the pod very happy to take questions comments on twitter facebook carrier pigeon however you want to, you want to get it to us uh, and we'll do our best to 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 answer them uh, unless we don't like them in which case we'll ignore them but otherwise um thanks to ian to adam thanks again to leon for organizing it all and all the technology thanks to all of you for listening and we'll see you next time cheers bye